There we go. So we're starting this new series of sermons uh, for the next few weeks called uh, It's Time to Tell Your Story. And, you know, I have wanted to do a series like this for a really long time. And it wasn't until I spent some time with this man and I was talking to him. And over the years, I've got to hear his testimony and got to hear everything about him that I realized there's a real power in your story. And see, I can sit up here and I can preach and I can give you a sermon and it's, uh, hopefully it's a good sermon. Hopefully it's something that God reaches down and touches your heart. But there's something about hearing from someone and what God has done in someone else's life. And so I'm really encouraged and really excited over the next few weeks to hear stories uh, in this kind of interviewing style about, uh, uh, about you know, how the Lord has blessed um these people in their lives. Now, we all have a the, thing. The, the point of this uh, series is to hear the stories of people. So let you know that it doesn't matter what you've gone through in your life, you have a testimony to share. If you're here today and you were one way before, God, God came into your life and did something, he's done something to you. If you're here today and you think you've just lived a re- really normal life, God has blessed you in some way and you have a testimony to share. Some of us have uh, amazing testimonies, and then some of us have testimonies that just touch the hearts of other people because it's just a normal testimony. This man here has an amazing testimony, and I'm really excited to share this with him. So for those that don't and haven't met, this is Pat Finley. Uh, Pat has been with Passion. How long have you been with Passion, Pat? I forget numbers. Yeah. <laughs> it's, been, it's been many years. Uh, he came to us when we were over at... Uh, at Neomed, so that would have been at least five years, Pat. So you've been here at least five, probably a little bit more than that. Yeah, yeah. I think I moved to Rootstown in 2012, okay. maybe. Or yeah. at least I bought the house in 2012. Yeah, okay, so yeah. seven years. All right, so Pat, we're going to talk about Pat's story. Pat has a wonderful story, but as most uh, stories, there's always a beginning to that. So Pat, tell me a little bit about you as a child. <laughs> if you uh, didn't catch the laugh before he even yeah. said anything <laughs> I grew up in the country uh, I was born in Garfield Heights and uh, uh, my parents had relatives that were in the police department fire department all that And anyway I started out around four years old in trouble with the police for taking a kid out, shoving him down a gully. So anyway, uh, the police came and advised my dad to move the boys. I had a brother, Jim, at the time, and move us into the country. So we moved to uh, Macedonia. Wait, wait, hold on. The police actually showed up to your house and told your parents to move. Told my dad it would be a good idea if we moved to the country. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure we all caught that, okay? All right. Sorry, Pat. Go ahead. Yeah, that's all right. So I had a brother, Jim, and uh, I guess we were terrorists. But I had a great mom and dad. My, my dad, he was just a beautiful man. He, he was my hero. And he was tough, smart. Uh, he used to be... A, a boxer, not professionally, but in a league, I think similar to the Golden Gloves. I think it was before the Golden Gloves. So, Anyway, my brothers and I were constantly fighting, going toe-to-toe, and he decided that we would learn how to box. So he bought us boxing gloves, and then we would go toe-to-toe until we both fell down, you know. But So... Anyway, we, we had a beautiful, beautiful house my dad built. He was a carpenter and a big yard. And at the time, our closest neighbor was like a quarter mile away. So I grew up seeing God's creation, beautiful woods. Uh, we had friends that had a farm, so we learned how to work and Learned how to ride horses without saddles. Learned how to fall off of them all the time. So, but 
how you, I, told, you told me a story about Halloween too. So oh, remind yeah, me of that yeah, story. I'm, remind us of the story yeah. just to give you a little insight to Pat yeah, in his well, young days. Well, first of all, before Halloween, uh, my dad enrolled us in Cub Scouts, so we had the <laughs> we had the whole thing, you know. But Jim and I were expelled. <laughs> so expelled from Cub Scouts. Yeah. We had, we had, oh, we had a rocky start there. You know? <laughs> but our, I grew up just loving to laugh. My brother and I, you know, the vandalism, whatever, you know. After Cub Scouts, we started our own organization. <laughs> and you had to pay dues, so. And we collected money and then rode down to a Lawson store on our bikes and bought pot. It didn't last long, no. Nobody wanted to come up with the dues. Uh, uh, the favorite, my favorite time of the year was Halloween. Because between my brothers and now my cousins lived close by. And all the boys that we would play football with and that. Uh, we'd go trick-or-treating. We didn't care about the candy. It was just about the vandalism that we would do, you know. We learned how to run through backyards. You had to be low to avoid the clotheslines, you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the one I, I still see as an old man is uh, we were at the door trick-or-treat. I looked around, where's my brother Jim? And this house had a big pumpkin in it the yard right in front of the picture window. So I'm looking for my brother Jim and I see these shrubs start to move. And I see a hand come up, take the lid off the pumpkin, and then another hand had a lit firecracker called a black cat. And he, and he even put the lid back on. <laughs> and then, of course, it blew up and then we all had to run. And there was another kid from school that heard about all our escapades named Rick Baswell, and uh, he wanted to join us. So he came as a ghost. He had a sheet over you know. I'd be like, this is going to be something. So we took off running, keeping low, but running full bore. And all of a sudden, I see this, <laughs> I see this shirt hanging on a clothesline. Oh. And took him out and he broke his arm so but, <laughs> but so so pat yeah. you had a very interesting childhood then <laughs> we did a lot of laughing and of course we we used to get the belt my dad would come down the hallway and we'd be in the bedroom and we always had a a little drill flip a coin and if you won you got the top bunk so you got you got your belt last and the guy on the lower bunk took it first. So, but <laughs> so my brother Jim got the lower bunk, and he had padding. You know, so I was laughing when my dad came in, and he would be snapping the belt. You know, which ordinarily would send you know chills. You're <laughs> you're gonna die. You know. <laughs> but when he walked in that time, I was just laughing. You know. Well, you had mentioned your dad a little bit, but tell us a little bit about your parents and their faith. Uh, we were raised as Catholics and went to church every Sunday. And my dad was, my dad was in love with the Lord, you know. And he was really a, really a skilled man, and he always gave the Lord all the credit. And my mom, <laughs> she was a saint just for being with us, you know, and... But she taught school at a grade school, St. Barnabas there, so that made it hard on me because then everybody thought I was a suck-up, you know, so, so had a lot, of, a lot of little altercations with some of the... <laughs> For those that don't know, uh, Pat also served our country in the Vietnam War, so I just want to ask you, Pat, tell us a little bit about uh, your service to the country in that time for you. Uh, to get started, I was going to Kent State. Uh, shouldn't have been there, but 
I was going to Kent State and uh, <laughs> I heard they had live models. So I thought, I'm, I'm taking art here. <laughs> I still draw stick figures, you know. <laughs> but I didn't do well at Kent State and uh, I ran out of money anyway, so I couldn't take another quarter. So I went to work and I got drafted with a friend and we took basic training at uh, uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, paratrooper school and that. And, and then I went to uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And not using my head, I, I did really well. <laughs> and they gave me an outstanding trainee of the cycle. So that entitled me to a free week of leave that didn't count against my time, you know. So. That was the good part. And I went to Korea for advanced training and spent six months there learning how to call in artillery in case, you know, the captain would be taken out. I was able to call in artillery then. So, and uh, I went to Vietnam. And it was, it was like, being on another planet was unbelievable. Uh, my first, when I got my orders, we all stand in formation and they tell you what company you're going to. And I heard the one company you definitely didn't want to go to was this Husky Charlie, they called it. And they called my name and I said, no, <laughs> I said, no there was a mistake here. I have orders to go to the 1st Infantry. And they told me what I could do with those orders. So I got on a helicopter and with a bunch of other guys. My first time on a helicopter and not enough room, so I had to sit on the side with my legs hanging out. And that thing took off and I'm looking for things to grab, you know. And then we were flying for maybe half hour and then I see all this smoke up there and everything, and I was like, what's going on? This doesn't look good for somebody, you know. And then I see that we're heading right for that. And at the time, they were getting mortared. And there was this other young kid with me, and I said, boy, it's going to be, it's going to be a long year or going to be a very short one, you know. <laughs> so... Anyway, it was a combat outfit, and uh, I can't tell you what it's like. You know, the only thing I could tell you is, like, life life is really fragile, really fragile. And uh, I got promoted to sergeant. I told you, I didn't want to be promoted to sergeant because I wanted to save my own butt. You know. Yeah, I, I, I got good at saving my own butt. And so now all of a sudden, I got to babysit like 10, 12 guys, you know. So a lot of stress, a lot of stress. But I made it home, so I had. Well, yeah, uh, thank you for your service, first of all, and uh, for what you did. I know we, we've talked about that time, yeah. and that it was a difficult time. Tell us um, about Pat after the war. <laughs> <laughs> this has nothing to do with delayed stress or anything like that. I just, I turned 21 in Vietnam, and I always heard, man, once you're 21, the world's yours, you know? So... I turned 21 and now, and I thought, man, this ain't right. But anyway, when I got home, I, I got hurt in Vietnam, so it took me a while. I was on crutches, and, and I had a 68 Firebird that my parents took my money and bought. So I couldn't drive it, though, because they had a clutch. So. But it was bad, bad after that. After that... I got a job at Ohio Bell as alignment uh, cable repairman. 
I worked all kind of overtime, storm damage and everything, so I, was a, I bought a Corvette, I bought a house, I bought two motorcycles, eventually three, and I was living tall, and of course I was really abusing alcohol, so I eventually was fired from the job, dating a lot of ladies, and of course with the Harley I, I got in with a, a fun crowd. <laughs> Was, I thought it was fun anyway, but uh, a lot of a lot of time in fights in the saloon and everything, and some severe butt whipping. I thought I had boxing skills, you know. I had just enough to take a butt whipping. <laughs> anyway, uh, my dad was after I got fired. He. He tried to get me to go to a prayer meeting, and uh, I said, boy, Dad, you don't really believe all that crap, do you? you know, but he did, you know, so I eventually went to a prayer meeting, and I, I got to meet some people, another non-vet that was healed of a cocaine addiction, and uh, there was a girl there that was blind, but yet through a miracle, she could actually learn to read in real large print, you know. And I thought, boy, maybe, maybe there's something to this. So I gave my life to the Lord there. And, you know, I, I was a brand new believer. So but, tell, us about, um, tell us about how you met Sally. <laughs> yeah, I was actually... I, I rode my Harley constantly, sometimes even in the snow. So, but I, I was I was always dating. Boys, I can get in trouble here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was it, at that time frame in the late '60s, early '70s. You know, everything was pretty much free. So. Uh, Anyway, I, I was actually dating, I wouldn't even call it dating, I was just occasionally associate with this girl who turned out to be my wife Sally's cousin. So I had her on the back of the Harley and I took her home and uh, she had relatives over, her aunt and her cousin Sally, you know, and you know, I'm a, I'm a brand new believer, so I shouldn't even have this girl Cindy on the back of the bike, you know, but I saw Sally, and uh, she was drop-dead gorgeous, and, and I was this long-haired, bearded freak, you know, and I thought, well, I'm, I was introduced to her and everything, and, and then later I'd be talking to Cindy, and I'd be saying, what, what's your cousin do? Oh, she's a school teacher. And we're at Garfield Heights. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You see her often? Does she come here a lot? She said, yeah, often. You don't happen to have her phone number, do you? <laughs> <laughs> so that started an argument between Cindy and I, because I was more interested in her cousin. But it took a while. Because, to be honest, I didn't really know how to, to be, at that time, I didn't know how to be a gentleman. I didn't really know how to formally ask someone for a date or anything. But I got up this courage, and, and I called her and told her who I was, and she remembered me. And I said, what, would you like to maybe someday go for a bike ride, you know? She knew, of course, I had the Harley. But, so she said, yeah. So I went to pick her up, and her dad was sitting on the front stoop, and I pull up on this Harley, and <laughs> would you want me to pull? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and he looked at me, and 
Sally told him that she's going for a bike ride, and he thought. <laughs> <laughs> so I was nervous, you know. Oh, I rode. I was a perfect gentleman, and there was a 30% chance of rain. You know what happened? So we got drenched, and I thought, oh man, you know, <laughs> this this girl will never want to see me again, you know. But to make it quick, uh, we fell in love with each other, you know. It's just somehow I I prayed, I asked the Lord for a good girl, and. Because I wanted, I wanted to settle down. I, so I asked, that was my first answered prayer ever. And I had, I just had a gut. This, this beautiful girl is, is the one, you know. And, and she was. <laughs> so you uh, eventually got married to Sally. Yeah, we mm-hmm. were married in, in three months. And of course, everybody knew she was pregnant, but she wasn't. But her mom went to the doctor's order once, and this is her mom was her mom strongly disliked me. (laughs) (laughs) But they went to the girl's doctor, and the doctor, of course, knew after talking to Sally the reason her mother was there. check on her virginity and the doctor said she's ready to be married and oh incidentally she's a virgin mom so that I was a, I was a gentleman <laughs> so just for those that are hearing this that was important back in some days <laughs> unfortunately yeah. today it's not as imp- it is as important but it's not from society standpoint it's not but back then it was right. so it was a very exactly. important thing yeah. so so tell us about uh, the nine acres Oh, yeah. Uh, I became a carpenter. I didn't want to be, but my dad said that my brother, Jim, could use a hand learning carpentry. He wasn't all that skilled, so I, he said he wanted us to have a partnership papers, too. And I said, ah, Dad, he's my brother. Come on. But anyway, uh, we were on a job. I had... Uh, I lived in a house in Northfield, but the neighbors were, were dopers, and so I, I wanted something better for my kids. So I was working on a job in Chagrin Falls, and at lunchtime, I, get, I just got on my knees, and I asked the Lord for some room for my kids. Like, I grew up, you know, I wanted something like that for my kids. So I... The Lord's, the Lord answers prayer, but he's slow at times. <laughs> but about two years later, uh, I heard about this nine-acre plot that was for sale for forty-eight thousand. So right away, I thought of my brothers. Well, if we split it up, you know, it, it's affordable. Well, I had a perk test done for the septic system and uh, they told me that the land because the rock level were close to the surface that you know it, it couldn't be divided it had to be a nine acre parcel so for 48,000 I thought so we continued looking for houses and made a couple mistakes but uh, finally maybe two years again, <laughs> uh, I get a phone call from the guy that owned the property. And he said, uh, I need to sell this because I owe taxes on it. So I said, well, what do you, what do you need? What do you have to have? He said, well, I, I owe 25000 So I said, well, I'll give you 21000 <laughs> I'm like, the guy just said 25000 What are you doing, you know? And he said, well, if that's your offer, I accept. Um, so I got off the phone. I told Sally, you know that nine acres? We can get it for $21,000. You know? And I couldn't believe it. Well, then I went and looked at the property and realized that, you know, I had to put in like 
1,200 feet of driveway and nine telephone poles. And I thought, man, just the cost of the driveway and the telephone poles. So I called the guy back and I said, look, I, I appreciate you thinking of me and everything, but I, I can't give you 21,000 for it. I said, so if you want to put it back on the market, go ahead. And he said, look, if I give it to you for 17,000, would you take it? So I took my dad with me. I said, dad, I walked him through it. I said, what if I could get this for $17,000? He said, well, if you don't take it, you're no son of mine. So, <laughs> so we sold our house, and we actually had to live in the back of a little farmhouse that had no room. <laughs> we had to sleep on cots. It, lots of spiders, Sue. <laughs> so uh, it, I, I cleared the land. My dad helped me a lot. And, uh, finally, we got the house built. So um, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Okay. Okay. So tell us uh, about your friend Andy and your friend Don. Okay. Well, while I lived in Northfield, uh, I had a neighbor next door that was a, a doctor just starting his practice, and he was a believer. And he asked if we wanted to host a Bible study. I said, yeah. So we, we got together with some folks. And I met now a brother, you know, one of my best friends. I met Andy and his wife, Lori. Andy had hair down here, blonde hair at the time, I think. You know, and big, strong kid. And he was a lot of fun. And it turns out that my mom taught him in grade school. So, but, uh, yeah, we were, we were new believers and learning about the Lord and everything. And uh, Andy shared one of his prayers was uh, for his crop. He was like a small farmer. Only his crop probably was considered pretty illegal, so... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so bef before we go too far in this, Andy is actually here today. So everyone say hello to Andy. But Andy is a wonderful, listen, I've known Andy for many, many years. Uh, actually, we attended church together many years ago. So uh, Andy's a wonderful believer in the Lord uh, and just a wonderful gentleman. But just wanted to, uh, we wanted to add that because that's... Uh, yeah, he went straight. <laughs> uh, out as a carpenter... Andy and I worked together. I asked him, he was a roofer, I asked him if he'd want to learn carpentry, you know, and the roofers don't last long, that's physical, you know. So he became a carpenter. He's one of the best now, you know. He's just, but I just learned to love him, you know. And at the time, you know, I, I went through a period of depression, and Andy was always there to listen and encourage me. I, I got depressed because I worked so hard physically as a carpenter, and I, I would do my best for customers. And, and my brother Jim was the one going on the vacations, and, you know, and, and then his wife, didn't like me, so, you know, I was not going to be a partner. I, of course, I didn't sign papers because he was my brother. But after a lot of years working together, Andy and I both decided, let's go on our own so we can at least make some money, you know. Well, <laughs> that didn't turn out great either. So I, I think we worked even harder for less. <laughs> A lot less. So tell us, tell us about Don. How how did you meet Don? Oh, uh, I was, I was a trucker then. I said I had enough of being a carpenter. I told my wife I'd rather be a trucker. What major major mistake? But 
But the, the reason I stuck with it is you could work a million hours, you know, and make the money, you know. So I was paying for my kids' Christian education on credit cards, so I worked a million hours. And my truck kept getting broken into in Cleveland. I, I, I got a job hauling U.S. mail as a mail contractor. I didn't have all the benefits, but it had good pay, so I stuck with it. But anyway, the truck was parked in Cleveland, and uh, they broke into it several times, and I finally asked a, another guy that wound up being actually somebody that Don trained. But I met this guy in Macedonia, Ohio, that had a shop and a service truck and a big yard that he rented out equipment, trailer space. And I pulled in there with the truck. And, uh, I asked for the owner, and Don happened to be outside, and I asked him for parking space, and he said, yeah. And at the time, I was handing out uh, uh, New Testament at the truck stop. So I had one in the truck, and I, I gave it to Don, and he later told me that I pulled in at the right time in his life. He was going through some difficult times, so I thought, oh, well, I did good. So, But if you want, I'll go in. Yeah, let's jump, let's jump to that day, if you so, don't mind. Now we're going to get to the hard part. I worked a million hours, so I decided that I would buy a, a Harley, a big Harley, so Sally and I could have some time together. I hadn't taken a vacation in 27 years. That's the truth. <laughs> I had weekend getaways, but that was it. So I bought a Harley, and I worked on it, I put all kind of crash bars on it, and Bought, I bought, you know, leather for her, and I bought the best helmet, and and I was nuts on motorcycles. I did everything you could do on motorcycles and dirt bikes, and I knew how to ride, so I knew I would be safe. So Monday was my day off, and it was a beautiful day. I asked if she'd want to go for a ride, so she loved it. We had we had a good time as kids on the Harley, you know. So, so we went to uh, Brexville Park, and I had the saddlebags and everything. So we had bottles of water and bags of the big pretzels. And we sitting there at a picnic table and just talking about. We were agreeing that when the girls were in college that we would pay the tuition so, you know, they wouldn't be in financial bondage, you know, so that was our agreement. So we were talking about that and of course I was always like, My God, you know, I'll never I'll never get another vacation, you know. But <laughs> so <clears throat> I said, Well, it's about three in the afternoon, I said you know, the girls are going to be worried about us. Let's, let's head back. So we got on Riverview Road, head, heading south on Riverview Road. It's a windy road. It's beautiful. And Sally would always be looking at the flowers in the woods and everything. And, but, you know, I was riding. I, I didn't go fast. Like I said, I, I had, you know, precious cargo, so I was going up around a curve and I just saw something out of the corner of my eye and I looked up and this huge tree is falling. And uh, I knew right then that, that that was the end for me. It, no doubt my mind. I mean, it there's no way I couldn't do I don't even know if I had time to let go of the throttle. But 
something happens in a time like that when you're getting ready to buy the farm, everything happens in slow motion. I, I saw the tree, the parts where the bark was off, it was dead a long time. When the bark was off, it had a big Y in it. Uh, there was a big hunk of bark that was loose about halfway down the tree. It was a big tree. And, and I also realized that Sally didn't see what I was seeing because in the past when we were riding, if a squirrel ran out in the road or something, I could feel just quick grab my side, you know. And she didn't grab my side, so I knew she didn't see what I was seeing. And all this I could... All this I could see happening in a fraction of a second because it was a dead tie. I later learned that the tree fell diagonally across the curve and was sitting on top of the guardrails, so it was the perfect height. The last thing I heard was my forks bottom out and I woke up on the road. And I and I couldn't see. So I thought my helmet was down over my but my helmet was actually in the back of my head and I couldn't see because of all the blood and I, I tried to push myself up but I couldn't because my shoulder was broken. So I turned around and I saw Sally behind me. So I, I crawled to her and I knew she wasn't breathing. And uh, I, So I wanted to do CPR and, and I couldn't because my jaw was out here. And so I pushed, I pushed my jaw back and it was, it was worse in Vietnam. And uh, I felt my head bounce off the pavement. I was, I was determined to get to Sally. So I got my arm and that didn't work good. I, I didn't know how to do CPR. I always saw you grab their nose and then, but I had a torn rotator cuff, so. But I finally got my arm under and held her nose and I know I got her heart going because then the blood was flowing from her. But then I don't, I don't know what happened. I just, I guess you call it came to. There was a fireman over top of me and had this brace around my neck and I said, you know, trying to shove his hands away, I said, take care, save my wife, save my wife. And he didn't leave, so I begged, I begged God. Anyway, they, uh, they put me in an ambulance. I, I didn't see her, but I guess they life flighted her. And 
I was in and out of consciousness. I think I swallowed a few more teeth too, but uh, I just woke up in the hospital and they were cutting my clothes off. And boy, they were hurting my shoulder too. I gave, I tried to talk, but I couldn't hardly open my mouth. So. But I woke up and my brothers were there and Andy was there and Don was there. I, I can't tell you much about that time frame, but <clears throat> I know I had a, a brain, brain what do you call it? Brain doctor. Neurologist. Neurologist. <laughs> <laughs> I had my own neurologist. I had two jaw doctors, uh, an orthopedic doctor, and the neurologist said that I had some brain trauma and a major concussion and blah, blah, blah. So, then my kids, my girls came. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so. I knew I got the word that Sally was gone. And then uh, I, I can't, you know, connect times here. Or, and I knew there was going to be a funeral. I don't know if it was in the next day. I don't remember that. But I, my face, I guess I had some major fractures or whatever you call it, my skulls. And they had to do surgery for put metal plates in. But I told them, told my brothers, let these people know that I'm, I'm going to my wife's funeral. So my brothers, <laughs> if you know my brothers, they let it be known that I was going to the funeral. That was a day from a day from hell, but you know, my family and friends were there. Let me add to this um, for those, and, and we'll begin to bring this to a close a little bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I told you it's two hour long testimony. It's hard to do yeah, in half an yeah, hour, right? Yeah. But um, you know, uh, for those that don't know, Pat and Sally were married thirty two years. Right. Mm -hmm. Thirty two years had. Uh, three kids, right? Two daughters and a and a boy. Yep. Um, and uh, they um, have wonderful, you know, wonderful life. And all of this goes on. You go to your wife's funeral. Um, he said some amazing words. But also during this time, just to let you know, um, Don and Andy, I want to, I want to, I'm glad that you guys are here, and I know you guys came to honor Pat, uh, but also to say thank you for what they did for Pat for. You want to say? Can, can yeah. I tell you about, or both of them? Sure. That this is a this is one story where the, the Lord was involved. Uh, I went back to work way too early, and I got a medical release from my jaw. I kind of pulled a trick, but my shoulder was still. But Don, Don came, took my girls cars to his shop uh, while I was while I was not there mentally he took care of my girls counseled them uh, he put new tires brakes, exhaust in the meantime this guy had a business that demanded he be there constantly but he stopped that and took care of their cars and 
we just spent time there and I and finally when I was trying to get back to work I, I was scared to death you know I got all these bills for their education and so anyway I told Don Don give me the bills for all the work you did on my daughter's cars so one day after me nagging him he left an envelope on the table and said don't don't open it until I'm gone so I said okay so he left and then I see this thick envelope and got, got some bills in there buddy so I opened it up and there was two thousand dollars in cash in there from Don so and he he was sent by God <laughs> He was an angel. He wasn't just a. He was an angel in my life and has been ever since. But one night, I got to tell this one. I was in the truck too soon. I was in agony. I had all kind of boils and everything because I had metal plates put in above my eye and my sinus and my upper jaw, and one of them got infected. And I was just going down the road in total despair. And I got to where I said, God, this is it. I'm done. I don't know what I was going to do, but I was done. And I think he finally knew that I meant what I said that time. And, and I, I couldn't, I could not go. I couldn't go another mile even. I, I'm done, God, this is it. And somehow this little peace came, not like some miraculous everything's roses but this little piece came that I knew in my gut you know hey I can keep going that was it I mean I knew God did that for me yeah. so Pat you know 32 years of marriage to Sally uh, you're following Christ uh, you know, we left out a lot of the stuff that we just didn't oh, have time I to get to. I got to tell you, pure hell for years, years. <laughs> <laughs> How does one um, who goes through all of this still follow God? What is, you know, you, you mentioned something to me as we were talking about this, and this is the important part that I really want to uh, have everyone hear from you. So how do you, all of this that you've gone through, how do you still follow God today? Because I know exactly he is who he says he is. And in spite of who I am, he was faithful, totally faithful. <laughs> and I knew through the course of the miracles that he did, you know, for the house, for the property, Mostly for Sally, I, I know he hears prayer. He's slow, though. <laughs> <laughs> but he hears prayer. He, he was faithful. The, the story and why I'm so um, fascinated, obviously, I love Pat, and I love uh, his family, and I love... Um, Sue, you know, Sue's a blessing from God too. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Sue, Sue came into his life when Pat was, when Pat first came to us at Passion, uh, he walked in the door and he said, I'm tired of all this BS, but he didn't say BS. <laughs> and and uh, I, I looked at afterwards, I went home and I looked at my wife, I said, I really like that man. <laughs> and, 
And my wife goes, what? And I said, I like him because he's so real, you know. But Sue has come to his life um, as a blessing, too. And, and uh, you know, after all of that he's gone through and everything that he went through, uh, Sue has come on into his life. And, and really, you know, one of the things that I, I, Sue has shared with me and she shared with Pat, do you mind if I share about taking, uh, I'm sorry, I'm taking your testimony. And I'm, no, you're yeah, not. But, you're- um, you know, Sue made a comment to Pat that he had, uh, she had told Sally that, he's, that she's taken it from here. And, uh, and she is. She's a wonderful part of, of uh, Pat's life today. And, uh, you know, the testimony is such a difficult testimony for all of us to hear because of everything that Pat went through. But what I love about his testimony and what I love about him and the power that's there is that even though serving God doesn't mean that you're not going to have bad things that happen to you. There are bad things that may happen to us. But the wonderful thing about Pat's testimony and his story is that what he just said. And I hope you don't forget that. And I hope that resonates in your heart that you hear what he said. You know, he knows who God is and he's faithful even though everything that he's gone through. And can I say that Susie actually has a hard job because I did have brain damage. I think I had it before I was a trucker, but uh, because I did have brain damage, the doctor said that I would have short-term memory loss, and I thought that means for a short term, you know. Well, I have short-term memory loss, and so I forget everything. <laughs> Cupboard doors open after I go to get something, drawers open after I get something, and things that she tells me, I say yes, and then I don't remember anything. So you call that short-term memory loss? Most wives just call that being husbands. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she, not only is she pretty, but, you know, she, she waits on me hand and foot. She treats me better than I need to be treated. Yeah, she's a blessing from yeah. God, that's for sure. And my friends, mm-hmm. you know, Don will call me up and ask if I'm going to be home. And it's, he's not really interested in whether I'm going to be home. He wants to know I'm not home so he can drop something off, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, so he knew Sue's having trouble with her knees, so he drops off a golf cart, you know. It's just... My friends, my friends were put there by God. They were. They were angels, is what we yep. we literally yep. said that in our yep. in our notes that you guys were angels. So thank you for being Don and and Andy are both yeah, here. Yeah, make make them stand up and yeah, please embarrass stand up them. For you guys. <laughs> Come on. Listen, that's unfortunately all the time we have. And so I want to thank Pat, though, and I just want to ask you guys to give him a round of applause for being up here. And I just want to, as the worship team comes forward, I just want to say, listen, uh, one of the things that we can learn from people's testimonies is literally what uh, Pat taught us, is that you know, just because you are uh, with Christ doesn't mean that all things are going to go well. But he is faithful and he answers prayers. And from his wife Sue to his friends, all the way through his whole entire story, even though there's some really difficult parts of that story, there's also some many blessings there. So thank you, Pat, for sharing your testimony. Corey, we're going to turn it over to you and you can, uh, will you stand with us as we worship uh, and sing this last song?